Dynasty Blueprint with Matt Williamson and Ryan McDowell. Welcome into another edition of the Dynasty Blueprint. I'm your host, Ryan McDowell, joined as always by Matt Williamson. Matt, how are you doing today? I'm great. How are you? I just took a, I've been walking lately and it's freezing here all of a sudden. Yesterday it was like 70 something, now it's like low 40s and I was shivering. So happy to be home and tied up all nice and warm finally, but I was cold. <laughs> it's, it's crazy weather season for sure. Yeah. Uh, we got, got a little good news today. It looks like the NFL is planning to proceed as as normal uh i don't know if there is a normal you know in over the past month or so but the nfl seems to think they are going to be able to continue not only the draft as we we uh expect at this point but uh, even the regular season so i don't know if that's just uh the league being optimistic but it feels like good news in, in a time where almost, where we're almost getting all bad news yeah we could use it that's for sure Let's dig right in. we got a really good guest. We do. We do. We've got my buddy Kyle Yates. Kyle is over at Fantasy Pros, a writer and a podcaster for them. Kyle, how are you doing? I'm good, man. Yeah, like you said, uh, there really has been no semblance of normalcy over the past month. But uh, being able to talk football and uh, talk the NFL, talk the NFL draft, that has definitely taken our minds off of what's going on. So I'm uh, I'm happy to be here and do just that today. Absolutely. Kyle, you are churning out the content over at Fantasy Pros, and a lot of that, in fact, almost all of that over the past several weeks is NFL draft focused, and a lot of those are, are player profiles. We've we've on this show talked about we we've talked about the top guys, the first round guys for sure. We've done some mock drafts and have had some great guests, but I noticed a lot of your profiles, which I appreciate, is digging a little bit deeper. Players that probably aren't going to be first round dynasty rookie picks probably aren't going to be first round NFL draft picks, but they're still important for dynasty players. They should be because it's always crucial to find those, those sleepers, those players to use second and third round picks on. We're going to talk about some of those guys today and we'll start with probably the the biggest name you've covered over the past few weeks is Jalen Hurts, the Oklahoma, the former Alabama quarterback, really just kind of turned his, his career trajectory around in his final season it seems like even even when he was having all that success at Alabama early in his career, he was never really viewed as a pro prospect, certainly not at the quarterback position. And now all of a sudden, not only is he, but he, he seems to be gaining steam. I've I've seen some rank him as the as the top three or four quarterback uh, for fantasy purposes. And and you seem to like him as well. You recently released the profile. Jalen Hurts can be a fantasy football star. What what do you love about Jalen Hurts? Yeah, so I think the the background and context of Jalen Hurts is important, right? And I think you mentioned it with at Alabama, like wasn't really considered a, a pro prospect, right? And kind of in that same vein of how we look at like Sam Ellinger right now out of Texas, right? Where he's just he's a good football player, good quarterback for the you know for college football, but is he really going to be the type of player that that game translates to the next level? I don't, I don't know yet, but with Jalen hurts, he transitions from Alabama, goes to Oklahoma teams up with Lincoln Riley there. And we see him put up some impressive numbers and take some significant steps forward as a quarterback prospect this past season. Now, 
in my article, I really go through a little bit more in depth and kind of preface it by saying that, like, yes, Jalen Hurts can be a fantasy football star because of the rushing ability that he brings. And we know how important and valuable rushing quarterbacks are for fantasy football. It's just the nature of the game. They rack up points with the with their rushing ability. However, I do think that the hype on Jalen Hurts is a little bit excessive and is getting to the point where it's getting a little bit over um overvalued i think just because i still think that he has a lot of things that he has to work on to succeed as a quarterback in the nfl i think he can get there he's one of those players that has like incredible potential and has taken significant steps every single you know phase of the game that he's been in from alabama to oklahoma uh even from his freshman year on like he's just steadily improved and succeeded everywhere everywhere he's been but I still think he has some things to work on as far as the fine, you know, fine tuning uh, aspects of the quarterback position. So uh, if he lands in the right spot, certainly he can be a fantasy football value, especially in super flex leagues, because I don't think he's going to go within, you know, within the top 10 picks. You know, I think guys like Jordan Love, Justin Herbert might go ahead of him. So he could be an incredible value, but landing spot is really, really important for him. No question. One, one question I have for you about his game and, Obviously, I think Hertz is more valuable in the fantasy community than the real world right now because of the legs, because of the potential that you mentioned as a fantasy producer. But my question, doubt about him is I hear a lot of Taysom Hill comparisons, you know, that he could go somewhere and there would be a package for him right away. They could hand him the ball. He could run routes. I just don't know that he's as that athletic. I mean, I know he's a very athletic quarterback. Is he athletic enough for me to take a wide receiver off the field or a running back or an extra tight end? I mean, Taysom Hill is fast. I mean, Taysom Hill's not a dime a dozen guy. Correct. Yeah, yeah, it's that is the type of comparison that comes up a lot. And I did mention it in my article, but with the preface that like, I think it's that type of role, not okay. the type of player, right? Where um, Taysom, what Taysom Hill does from a receiver perspective is not what Jalen Hurts is going to do. Um, Jalen Hurts could be that type of player that he comes in and you get an innovative offensive coordinator to do two quarterback sets, right? Like, again, very, very innovative um, where that it puts that defense on its heels. So, like, you know, dream scenario, put him behind Lamar Jackson. Sure. You know, like in Baltimore, what the heck are defenses going to do then? You know, <laughs> so I think but from the beginning, because of what I mentioned with Hertz still has some things to develop on. You need to be putting him in a situation kind of like what Patrick Mahomes saw where like sit for a year, like continue to develop. And then but you're still getting him maybe some scheme touches here and there um, fr from a quarterback perspective and the ability to use his legs. I don't know if it would I would go as far to say as a receiver. Yeah, that makes sense. You you talked about the super flex uh, value of Hertz. If you're doing rankings right now or, or doing a, a draft or a mock draft right now in a super flex rookie league, where would you be comfortable taking Hertz before we even know landing spots? Uh, maybe not overall, but it, at least among the quarterbacks. Obviously, he's not going higher than Tua or, or Joe Burrow, but after that, how do you value him versus Love, Eason, Herbert? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. I think for me, obviously Burrow and Tua, like you mentioned, they're, they're locked in there at one and two um, respectively at the time being, I think 
right now I'm comfortable with Hertz as like my that fifth quarterback. I would put him above Jordan Love. I from a fantasy perspective, he might even scoot in to that fourth spot. I think Justin Herbert should go ahead of him. Me, the person that I'm debating between would be Jake Fromm. I'm a Jake Fromm guy. I just I think if he lands in the right offense, he's going to be successful. Um, that's a big if right now with his you know just draft capital and what that looks like. So I think he could move into that fourth quarterback spot from a fantasy perspective, but uh, otherwise, yeah, probably right around that range. Makes perfect sense, folks. Now is not not the time to overpay for razors at a drugstore, and our friends at Harry's. No, sometimes, especially with what's going on in the world, it's just better to stay inside. That's why they ship directly to you so you have the experience, the quality of hairy shave in just a few days from the convenience of your own home. We know how important that is nowadays. I love that feature about Harry's. I've also mentioned I switched to Harry's long ago. I used to be an electric guy because my face was so sensitive. I couldn't find a straight razor I could use until I was you know, introduced to Harry's through a podcast. So it's been great for me, and I love that they deliver them right to your door. So... Join the 10 million, including myself, who have tried Harry's. Claim your special trial trial offer by going to harrys.com slash dynasty. Harry's is, Harry's is a return to the essential. Quality, durable blades at a fair price. Just $2 a blade. They've cut out the middleman. Manufacturing blades in their German blade factory has been honing precision blades for a century, which means you get incredibly high-quality blades at a factory direct price. Harry's is super convenient. I mentioned blade refills are delivered directly to your door on your schedule with or without a subscription. And if you feel good about if you, you feel good about your purchase with a 100% quality guarantee, if you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. But you'll love your shave. Also, 1% of the proceeds are set aside for nonprofit organizations devoted to helping provide better access to better health care for men and veterans. So, Listeners to our show can redeem their, tri- their Harry's trial set at harrys.com slash dynasty. You'll get a weighted, wonderful handle for a firm grip, five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel with aloe to keep your skin hydrated and smelling great, and a travel blade cover to keep your razor dry and easy to grab on the go. So go to harrys.com slash dynasty to start shaving better today. Kyle, another player you've recently covered is Antonio Antonio Gandy Golden, one of my favorite uh, favorite guys to grab in the third round of rookie drafts. That's where he's going uh, in early mocks and in early uh, early drafts that I followed. I can't believe it. This guy feels like a, an easy pick in the second round, but he continues to fall. Your article says Antonio Gandy Golden has insane upside. I totally agree. He feels like he feels like the next Kenny Galladay to me. Yeah, it's a really good comparison, actually. And uh, we had Matt Waldman on the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast a couple months ago. And if you're not familiar with Matt's work, he does the rookie scouting portfolio. And he, I mean, he's been doing this for a long time. So when we had him on, he mentioned uh, Antonio Gandy Golden and in the same breath talked about AJ Green. Hmm. And I about lost it on the podcast because that was exactly the comparison that I saw when watching his tape. But of course, I'm sitting there watching a wide receiver out of Liberty University and going, Am I seeing AJ Green? No, I've got to be. I've got to be crazy to you know to make, have that thought to make that comparison. Uh, this is a type of player who has that that potential, that upside. Um, the competition jump sure is steep. Of course, going from Liberty, which is an FBS Division One school, um, to the NFL, yeah, crazy, crazy jump. And you certainly can't you know dis, um, you know discredit that or you know not take that into account. 
But from what Antonio Gandy Golden brings to the table, I mean, third round, yeah, I'm uh, I'm right there with you, Ryan. That this should be a, a home run pick in the second round, maybe back of the second round, where I'm taking that every single chance I can get. What kind of damage do you think he does on quick hitting plays, slants, outs, as opposed? To, I mean, we know he can get downfield, he can play above the rim, he's got some great traits. But do you think he can nickel and dime you? Yeah, yeah, I think so. So, I mean, the the context is important that he's six foot four, two hundred and twenty three pounds. So, you know, we're not talking about a guy as shift uh, shifty and and quick as you know Tyree Kill. Um, completely different types of players. And you mentioned Kenny Galladay in that breath. With Antonio Gandy Golden in the short passing game, he actually has a lot more quickness and agility than people give him credit for. And we saw this routinely on tape. I saw you put on the Syracuse game, and that was a game that, you know, you're, you're talking about a competition jump, right? I think they were ranked uh, like 22nd at the time. And, in, in, you know, so they're within the top 25 and, you know, solid competition. And he's just routinely putting this Syracuse defensive back on his, on his heels mm-hmm. and is able to position you know he's able to get inside leverage position his body and be able to secure the catch because a defender just simply can't reach around him because he's so big so yeah with uh with Antonio Gandy Golden definitely has potential in the red zone downfield elite ball tracking ability but I think he can also be used in that short passing game great stuff I I, I still just uh I, it must be the small school thing that's that's the only uh that's the only issue I can I can really think of not that he doesn't you know, have areas to improve, but uh, looking at some of the other receivers that might be available in that second round or even third round, and, and we'll we'll talk about another uh, one or two of them for sure. Uh, Gandy Golden again feels like uh, feels like a pretty easy pick to make in that late second round range. Yeah, absolutely. Another second round receiver expected to be a second round dynasty rookie draft receiver is Brian Edwards. And you wrote the article, the profile, Brian Edwards will be a mid round steal in the NFL draft. Another one I totally agree on here. Um, At this point, most probably know the story. Maybe the youngest breakout age ever, right? Broke out his freshman season at South Carolina uh, before he even turned 18 years old. And then, it never really made the next the next leap, right? Never never became one of the best receivers in in college football. Basically, just kind of repeated that performance for four straight years. Uh, he did have Debo Samuel to to battle for most of most of that time. What mm-hmm. did you see that you really like about Brian Edwards? Yeah, absolutely. So when uh, in last year there was you know question or there was talk that he was going to be declaring early, and so I had begun watching him. And was immediately impressed based on his just pure receiving ability. Like, I think Brian Edwards has some of the best hands in the entire class. Um, So that kind of jumped out to me. But I was like, okay, this is kind of a a bigger guy, more, you know, thick as a bowl of oatmeal kind of player. And just really didn't have uh, much agility. Well, then he chooses to stay uh, for his senior season. He comes back and he, like, cut down. He looks like a completely different player as far as just his agility, his quickness, his speed, his twitch off the line of scrimmage. Uh, Some of the best like release off the line of scrimmage that I've seen in this class. So incredibly twitchy for a guy who's as big as he is six, three, two fifteen. If I, if I'm remembering correctly. And so like this type of player that can win at all three levels, he's a big, a big red zone threat. Uh, Again, has the ability to go up and play above the rim, but yet can 
uh, you know, put defenders on their heels and make them flip their hips. And he uh, has the explosiveness to be able to leverage that now. So the only, you know, the reason why I talk about him being a mid-round steal, I think he would have been a second-round pick, NFL draft pick, um, if he hadn't gotten injured. You know, he's dealt with a, an injury around the Senior Bowl, which prevented him from participating, and then, uh, you know, has the um, uh, broken foot, I think, that he suffered in, uh, you know, training for the combine. So you know, he's dealing with some injuries that are going to push his, you know, draft stock down the board. And especially with NFL facilities being closed right now and the inability for them to do their own like medical checks and all that, um, teams are going to have a lot of questions. So as far as like a fantasy football value, it's going to be difficult to figure out, you know, his landing spot and where he's going to end up because he's going to have to battle to work his way up that depth chart. If he does end up going in the fourth, fifth rounds of the NFL draft. But I think his talent is a top 10 talent in this loaded wide receiver class. I think you nailed it that he's coming out the wrong year in terms of medical and being able to prove the teams. And especially because of wide receiver class is so strong. I urge people listening to go, Go Google Brian Edwards' highlights. You'll be very impressed if you're not real aware of this guy. And the question for both you guys, you mentioned his really young breakout age. Do you think sometimes that works against a player's perception? Because if you don't just keep building on that, which might be unrealistic, that people forget about you a little bit? Yeah, I think I think that's very fair. Um, as I said, he, he had the, the big freshman season, and then – basically just reproduce that the, the remainder of his career. Uh, so yeah, when, when you see the, the early breakout or the, the freshman breakout from any player, whether they were a top recruit or not, you do expect them to take that next step. And, and when they don't, when they're just solid producers, it does feel like a disappointment. Yeah. Yeah. I'll second that. I think, you know, we're looking at, we're talking about college football where so much changes year to year uh, with recruiting classes, with people, you know, with players leaving for the NFL draft, you know, to transfers. So like the situation that a player could be in um, can be so different year to year. And I think with Brian Edwards, with him breaking out that early, well now like expectations are sky high. It's not that he hasn't, he's been like a bad player over the past few years. I would argue against that. It's just that you know, the expectation was set so high from the very beginning. So, yeah, I can I can definitely see your point there of how that can work against a player. I do think you made an interesting point, too, uh, Kyle, about Edwards returning to school for his his senior season. And we always think we have the whole picture as as fantasy players, as dynasty players. And that obviously is not the case. We look at, at Brian Edwards really throughout his career as as a guy who's probably going to be a, a first round uh, dynasty rookie pick, maybe even a first rounder in the NFL. And then it gets post junior season and he goes back to school and we're all left wondering why, but maybe the answer is he, he didn't get that positive report from the NFL. We saw the same right. thing last year with Tyler Johnson. Michael Pittman is another player uh, who entered college as a, as a big time recruit stayed all four seasons in general, when it, and especially at the wide receiver position, when you see that player not declare early, stay all four years, is that a bit of a red flag for you? 
I don't know if it's necessarily if I would classify it as a red flag. I think you have to take in con- into context the the overall strength of the class that they're going into too. You know, like very few players are going to be considered you know top tier players in their respective classes, right? Which is why it's so important that we appreciate guys like Jerry Judy, C.D. Lamb, you know, Justin Jefferson, these guys that are coming out now. You know, these guys who are declaring early. But I think with like let's look at the running back class for this year like i would i would have thought and would have expected Najee harris chuba hubbard and um travis Etienne all to declare but i think what they did was they looked at the strength of this class how deep it was at running back and they looked at next year and said okay well i can actually become a higher draft pick next year if i continue working on some stuff and i have as good a season as i did this year I can be I can make more money next year. So it's a roll of the dice, of course. So much can change in a year, like I just mentioned. But um so as far as like a red flag, I don't think so. Uh I think it just can be something where you look at it and say, you know, what's the context around it and do they think that they have more things that they need to work on? All right, let's uh let's cover one more guy. This uh, for right now. This player is my tight end one at this point, although lo- lots of time, lots of room for that to change. You wrote about Hunter Bryant, the tight end from Washington. Hunter Bryant can be a dangerous offensive weapon. Tell us why you think so. Yeah, so there there are some questions with Hunter Bryant, and I do in the title I I back that up with just saying like I think he can be there. I think he on tape he is that. Now the question is, you know, what was the strategy going into the NFL Combine? Because he was a player that was listed by Washington at 240, I think, was around there. So we're, when we're talking about the tight end position, that's pretty light. Uh, you want your tight end, you know, that's going to be in line and blocking to be around, you know, 255, 260, so we can handle the strength of, you know, opposing edge rushers. Um, 240 is a little bit light, so you may be relegated to a move or big slot you know, tight end at the next level. We're talking about guys like Evan Engram, um, you know, players like that. OJ Howard, I think where they're, you know, they're, they're primarily lined up outside and in the slot. Well, Hunter Bryant was going to be that type of player. And it, he shows up to the combine and is up to like 250. Um, benches a lot more than I thought he was going to put up 22 reps, I think. And then runs a four seven forty yard dash, which if you're going to be a big slot, you know, tight end in the ne- at the next level, and that's kind of the role that you've been pegged for, you know, okay, you need to be running in at least the four mid four fives, like you know, you Evan Ingram. What did Evan Ingram run? He ran in like the four fours, didn't he? he? Did. It was a ridiculous, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was a ridiculous number. So it's like when you're comparing Evan Ingram to Hunter Bryant and the speed and explosiveness that they have, well, that's a little bit different now, especially when a player shows up at a heavier weight. So Hunter Bryant showing up 10 pounds heavier than what he was listed, what he was pegged to be, and then running slower than what he was pegged to be makes me curious as to was he really hitting the testing numbers that he needed to be to be that big slot role? And did he kind of roll the dice and say, okay, I'm going to try to be this undersized slot tight end. Now, with all that being said, he does possess, you know, he's a great route runner, um, used all over the field at Washington, great hands, uh, contested catchability. So he brings all the, like the things that you want in a tight end at the next level, but it's now a question of what, what's his role, right? Like what's his role at the, in the NFL. So I think if he comes out and he into the NFL and he cuts down weight and he gains that explosiveness back, I can see him being a dangerous offensive weapon and one that's valuable for fantasy right now. I just don't know what that's going to look like. See, to me, I bet this was a strategy, was 
Let's go to the Combine, look tremendous on the bench and in our boxers, show everybody that we are big enough, we hit the threshold that we can be uh, considered an inline player. We'll run there, but we know we have the pro day to really shine there. We could pull the old, ah, my hamstring was bugging me, or I didn't feel my best that day, whatever, right. make something up. And then at your pro day, weigh in at 238 and run a 451 and then right. get that part of the plan. Yeah, the we saw a lot of players uh, with that that new combine schedule of uh, basically having all of the events in the evening. We saw a lot of players skip events, not just the forty, but some of the other testing testing areas. And they have always been able to fall back on pro days. And for most of those players, of course, that's not going to be the case this year. And and it really is going to shake up things. I think that's why uh, that's why general managers and, and coaches, it seems, did want to push back the NFL draft. They they just don't yeah. have all the information that they normally have. Yeah, it's a really good point. Folks, by now, most of you have probably heard of Reality Sports Online. We've told you about them quite a bit. That It's a powerful fantasy sports pla- platform where owners get to build and manage their fantasy team, just like an NFL general manager. But the question is, is have you tried it? It's time to go see what all the buzz in the Dynasty community is about. Free agency, multi-year contracts, a rookie draft, multi-team trades, franchise tags, contract extensions, first-round rookie options, automated contract and salary cap functionality, and much, much more. Think it sounds complicated? It really isn't. The best thing about Reality Sports Online Fantasy Front Office is that it doesn't take any more time than a standard league. It just requires more strategy. Think you're among the fantasy elite? Well, this is a platform to test your mettle. Still not sure. You can still you can test out your general manager skills for free in a mock free agency auction. If you like what you see, use our promo code Blueprint to receive ten percent discount on your team or league today. Fantasy just got real at realitysportsonline.com. Kyle, let's cover a few more players if you have time. Uh, I hint, hinted at Pittman earlier. I, I want to hear your thoughts about him. Uh, you talked about some of the players maybe having to wait, sit behind veterans. Maybe that's not what you expect from Michael Pittman. Your article is titled, Michael Pittman will make an instant impact in the NFL. He really feels like a player that uh, maybe the NFL coaches, general managers, the the draft community likes a little bit more than the fantasy community does. He's another player falling to the third round of our dynasty rookie mock drafts. Talk about Pittman. Man, that's crazy that he's falling all the way to the third round um yeah i mean so for context here antonio gandy golden and michael pittman jr are my wide receiver eight and nine respectively so like i am i'm big fans of what they bring to the table pittman uh big bodied receiver uh working there at usc uh like you mentioned you know highly recruited uh highly touted coming out of high school Uh, this guy just has it all i think you know he ran much much faster at the combine than we thought he was going to Uh, he has the ability to track the ball you know deep down the field uh, contested catch ability like he just has everything that i'm looking for along with the size and route running acumen there so you know when we're talking about pittman you know, I don't think that he has necessarily the like elite separation ability that will push him up the up boards to, you know, in, in the conversation with guys like CD lamb, Jalen Rieger, you know, like Rager, these kind of guys, but Pittman, what he brings to the table, like I, I would not be shocked if Pittman was, and I've, I've done a few mock drafts at fantasy pros. Like I would not be shocked if Pittman goes in the second round of the New York jets. 
Like the Jets right. have a huge need at the wide receiver. If they go tackle or edge in the first round, double back, get Michael Pittman, reunite him with Sam Darnold there, uh, you know, former QB and wide receiver connection there. I think that makes a ton of sense. So, you know, people are, are kind of sleeping on Michael Pittman Jr. And I wanted to make sure that we were talking about him. So, yeah, I, I'm a huge fan of his. I don't see the negatives. I mean, is he super sudden? No, but he's pretty darn quick for such a big guy. And he's fast, he's physical, he's tough, goes up and gets a ball, has some after-the-catch skills. I like the way he frames the football and his ball skills. I think he's the second-round pick in the NFL draft all day long. Yeah, that's uh, Kyle, you mentioned that as, as a possibility in some of your mock drafts. I've seen several mock drafts that have have Pittman in that second uh, that second round range. So that should not yeah. be a surprise. And, and fantasy players, dynasty players should, uh, should probably get used to that and, and maybe start adjusting uh, how they value him in, in rookie drafts. Yeah. I mean, you know, popular, I'll just add this really quick. Like when we're talking about popular comps and again, I'm, I'm not necessarily the biggest fan of pure, pure comps, but like players that, NFL scouts are like comparing him to are Allen Robinson and like Cortland Sutton. So like, this is the type of player that people are saying that he can be at the next level. And if he's going in the third round, like you're, you're getting a type of player like that in the third round of a dynasty rookie draft. Like that's ridiculous. He really seems like he should be a top 15 pick in dynasty. I'd agree with that. He does. He, well, he, he certainly will move up the board if, if he's drafted in the second round, Uh, I think, of course, yeah, I think that's going to end up happening, and and we see some, we always see big adjustments from uh, our our pre-draft mocks, or or even there's you know there's leagues out there that like to do their actual rookie drafts before the NFL draft, and we, we see big spikes either way, uh, both up and down with with many players. I want to ask you about Darrington Evans because he is he's climbing my board. He's becoming a player I'm really excited about, uh, and you don't have to spend a second round pick on him. You wrote Darrington Evans is a home run threat. Little scat back. Tell us about him. Yeah. So Darrington Evans out of uh, App State there. So, you know, that type of player that I don't think he's necessarily ever going to be a, you know, three down like workhorse. You know, we're talking 220 plus carries on a season. I don't think that that's going to be him. He's 5'10", 203 pounds. So I don't think that he necessarily has the size or necessarily like the ability to be that. However, this guy is fast and what he brings to the table is great pass protection and great, great pass catching ability. So now you put you put that into an offense as your second running back, your rotational running back, you put him in an offense where he is able to hit a hole and he's gone. You know, think of like a a Matt Breida, Tevin Coleman, what they were, you know, even Raheem Mostert for a period in San Francisco, like that type of running back where he's not getting a ton of carries, but he has the ability to pick up chunk yardage. I think that's what Darrington Evans is. And so I think in a, from a value perspective, if you're talking about like dynasty rookie drafts, maybe third back of the third round, uh, you're getting a player who has the talent and is going to be on the field because of that pass protection ability. NFL coaches love that. We can't overstate that. So for him to get onto the field is <laughs> for him to be on the field is kind of important for his fantasy football value. So he's going to be on the field. It's just a matter of what does that workload look like? Landing spots going to matter with him, but he's a player that I really like. I'm glad you mentioned Brita and the and Mostart, you know those, those Niner backs because I think that's exactly what he is. Like if he gets a crease, he hits it hard, and he runs away from people, and he runs with vigor despite not being the biggest guy. 
But when I watch him, I don't see a lot of agility, left-right moves. I mean, he's a mm-hmm. hit-it-and-get-it type of guy. Yeah, yeah, I would absolutely agree with that. Kyle, I want to ask you about a couple of running backs I'm not quite sold on. You seem uh, a little more intrigued by these guys, so I'd love to hear your thoughts on both. Let's start with Keyshawn Vaughn. You wrote Keyshawn Vaughn is the most underrated RB running back in the draft. For fantasy purposes, we've we've got the big three. Maybe maybe you consider that a big four with Cam Akers. We've got Clyde Edwards-Hilaire not far behind. And then after that, it, it, there's a big gap. Of course, some people like Zach Moss. Some people like this guy, Keyshawn Vaughn. Sounds like you're one of those. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I am a big fan of his. And to put it into context, uh, I have him as my running back four. Hmm. So, uh, But again, we're separating decimal points for me in sure. my grading scale between him and Cam Akers and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Like, flip any of them. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to blink twice about the order so with Keyshawn Vaughn though I was just talking about him on the fantasy pros podcast that we recorded today he's a player that I'm really really intrigued by Uh, I think he has great vision of course we have to start the conversation with Vanderbilt off Vanderbilt's offense sucked last year like it was terrible and he was the only bright spot in it you know continuously showed great vision but yet like would would hit the hole and then it would immediately close because that offensive line just couldn't handle it um great contact balance really great top end speed um you know he didn't run you know he didn't run as fast as some of these other guys in the uh 40 yard dash at the combine but has great play speed and you'll see that when you put on the tape he runs a little bit more stiff than i would um like to see he runs a little bit more upright than i'm you know necessarily a huge fan of but i think he does make up for it with great uh tackle breaking ability and of course he's great in pass protection and pass catching which uh, you're going to grade out highly in my in my system if you have those abilities so he has the ability and size to be a a three down back at the nfl i think he's going to be one of those players that ends up going in the back of the third fourth round of the nfl draft lands in a favorable position you know i talked about uh potentially the houston texans being you know looking at him uh in the in those rounds where you know, David Johnson isn't a sure thing at this point in his career. So double back, grab Keyshawn Vaughn in the third or fourth round, and he could be a steal there for fantasy football. It's funny. You mentioned his speed. And one thing stands out with me, and just doing this for as long as I have, he's 214 pounds at the combine. Really good size. Runs a 4.51, which is exceptional. But if he'd have run a 4.49, everybody would be talking about him. He's a buzzy guy. He's going to go super high. <laughs> right, you know, it's so dumb. right. Yeah, no, I I completely agree. And I mean, that's part like, you know, with Antonio Gandy Golden running a four, six, like four, six flat, like people are going to talk about that and be like, oh, he's a four, six guy. If he had ran a four, five, nine, people would be like, (laughs) he ran four, five at 223 pounds. (laughs) Yeah, I completely get it. Kyle, let's wrap up today with one more running back. I'm not quite not quite there with yet. Anthony McFarland. Uh, Your article says Anthony McFarland could be the steal of the draft. Big words. Tell us about McFarland. Yeah, yeah. So it comes with it comes with context here that uh, Anthony McFarland was uh, was someone who I fell in love with in my summer scouting going into the 2019 college football season. Uh, You know, we put on the tape of Ohio State uh, in 2018, and he's just carving up Ohio State's defense continuously. This is a guy who has he's a jitterbug on the field. Insane insane athleticism he you know comes into 2019 he's dealing with a high ankle sprain for the majority of the year and we see you know a lack of explosiveness that Maryland offense takes a you know actually was performing really well towards the beginning of the year and then just fell off a cliff so Anthony McFarland is kind of an incomplete grading for me where I think he 
you know, he's going to go in like the fifth or sixth round and, you know, where people are not necessarily going to be huge fans of that, you know, draft capital. And they're going to look at the numbers from 2019 and just say like, okay, he's a nobody, but man, we need to be talking about Anthony McFarland a little bit more. And if you're, ba- if you're grading solely based off 2019 tape, totally get it. Like 2019 tapes, not great, but, and, and that's why I have him down at my RB 11, but when, if he has, if he's given the ability to develop, you know, given the time to develop and work on the finer nuances of the game, he, he doesn't run with patience. He doesn't have great vision. He's one of those guys that looks like he doesn't trust his offensive line and just tries to get out in front of them, which is super concerning from a scouting perspective. But if he's able to get in a, in a location or a, a fit where he can use his athleticism and be used as kind of a change of pace back while he works on those finer nuances of the position. He could be in a year. One of those guys that we look at and be like, how did he go in the fifth or sixth round? Uh, you know, we were talking about locations uh, and, and uh, best fits today on the fantasy pros podcast. And I talked about Atlanta, like Atlanta, go draft Anthony McFarland in the fifth or sixth round and pair him alongside Todd Gurley and kind of use them the way that you did, you know, Devonta Freeman and Tevin Coleman for a long time. And I think you'll, you'll find success there. I think people kind of miscast him as has to be a change of pace because he is fast. He's small, but he's thick. I mean, he was 208 yeah. pounds at five, eight. I mean, that's not little. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, you, you, and you watch him on tape too. And he seems even thicker than that. Right. Like we've been doing this for a while. So we kind of just have like, you know, we can watch a player on tape and we'll be like, okay, he's around like 215 pounds. <laughs> you know, like you just have that ability already just watching from, you know, the tape in the sky. But you know, with Anthony McFarland, he even looks thicker than that. And he plays heavier than that. Right. He plays more confident than 208 pounds. He's not a finesse player. No, no. He's one that I think works best out in space. And so that's why I think the, you know, comparisons are there for a change of pace back or someone that you work out, uh, you know, out of the backfield in a pass catching role, um, which I think would would suit him to begin his career. But then he could develop into that player that becomes a, a workhorse role. Last question I have for you, though, is he's only caught 24 passes at the college level. Does he worry you in that phase? I mean, worry is a relative term. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, when we're talking, we'll compare, you know, um, college uh, running back reception totals right across the uh, the NCAA. And it's a super dangerous thing to do because so many different teams use their college running backs differently sure. where, you know, we're talking about Clyde Edwards Hilaire and the numbers that he put up you know, as far as the reception totals. And then we're looking at Anthony McFarland and we're like, Oh, Anthony McFarland can't catch because Clyde Edwards Hilaire had double it, you know, the amount of receptions. That's not it. That's not how you, how you should go about doing this. So while I don't think that he's necessarily the best pass catching back in this class, I think that he has value. And I think that he has that ability and can only improve upon it. Kyle, really good stuff on some of the deeper prospects in the 2020 NFL draft. Uh, tell our listeners where they can find your work so they don't miss any more of these upcoming uh, profiles. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I can be found on Twitter at KyleYNFL. And then all my work can be found on uh, fantasypros.com and the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast. I host that podcast alongside Bobby Sylvester and Mike Taglier. All right. Thanks again, Kyle. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next time with more Dynasty Blueprint.